So I mentioned in the gut health episode how I've been eating soup for breakfast every day. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that has been because in the in the winter months or like as soon as it turns cold, I just cannot even fathom the thought of eating anything cold. Like my body just craves warm, nourishing foods. But today was like the very first hint of spring. It's like yeah. 50 something degrees outside in Pennsylvania. And immediately my body was like, I need a smoothie. So I like had to go buy frozen fruit and like made my little smoothie. Beautiful. And I've just been craving wow. it all day. What's in there? It looks pink. Oh, I know. It's so vibrant, right? Um, Strawberry, raspberry, peaches. And then this is my smoothie hack. Don't like dilute your smoothie with like water or just like any old juice or milk or anything like that make either an infusion of like an herb so that you get extra nutrients or this was with celery and ginger juice that I pressed so oh my gosh wow just get it all in there you are truly a kitchen witch truly a kitchen witch welcome to the fifth element A podcast for people seeking intimate connection with their innermost self through holistic healing, cosmic consciousness, and radical rebirth. We hope each episode is an opportunity for listeners to join the collective journey towards intuition and integration. Well, speaking of living in sync with what your body is craving or what your body needs, today's guest is going to tell us a little bit about her personal journey, Um, just aligning aligning the body. Yes, we have um, Carly Proctor with us today. And, um, you know, I have to give a shout out to at Classic Heidi on TikTok, my sister, because this is how we came to be and came to know each other. Um, and just another example of like virtual friendships during these quote unquote unprecedented times. Um, so, so glad that you're here, Carly. Do you want to give us a little intro background about who you are? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Carly, as Emily said, and I live in Austin, Texas. I am full-time graphic designer, uh, but aspiring dancer, I will say. Um, I do dance for fun. It's my big passion. And um, I have a cat who is quite literally making biscuits on my lap right now. Oh. <laughs> She's purring really loud. Stop, so I this love is it. What, this is what we do all day. We sit at my desk and I beep up boop on the computer and he sits <laughs> on my lap. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, a couple, um, must have been like maybe a couple months ago or a month ago or something. Um, at one of uh, my virtual women's circles, Carly just happened to share or like, I mean, I was like, so excited to hear it. you were just kind of like, yeah, I just like healed my period problems and just healed my cycle and like aligned with the moon and you know, everything was great. And I was just like, okay, I need to hear so much more about that. Um, So that is going to be one of our many topics that we dive into today. But the the moon womb episode that we had from season one was so widely shared. And um, I just feel like there is so much craving for this knowledge around um, 
the menstrual cycle. And I think that there's so many women out there that struggle with irregular periods or really painful periods or more intense conditions, maybe diagnosed conditions. And um, there's not a lot of people talking about it. So I'm really glad that you are willing to kind of like share your journey and normalize this because although it's not, um, you know, it's not our design to, to live with like painful periods. It's the reality that a lot of women face because of the world that we live in. So um, I hope that this uh, story today provides a lot of like hope and also encouragement and tips for anyone out there who's also struggling um, with their cycle. So thank you. Yeah. And that's definitely my main goal too, because I felt so lost for about four years, just felt like I didn't have the right information at the tip of my fingers. And I was like, why, why can't I find the right information? Um, so all I want to do is just share now with people that might be struggling with the same thing or similar things and just empower people that, you know, you don't have to feel lost or helpless. Like, you know, there is a way to heal yourself and you just kind of got to put in the work and, think outside the box a little bit. Mm -hmm. So before we dive into that whole amazing story of this journey you've been on, um, we like to ask our guests, uh, like what has shaped your worldview? Maybe that's how you grew up. Maybe that's in regards to spirituality or just systems of thinking or um, just whatever comes to you. Yeah. Um, I can think of a few like big things. It's so funny. The things that have happened in my life that have shaped my worldview have definitely been like trauma experiences. Um, so like I can think of things of when I was a kid, um, I had my grandma, grandpa, and uncle all pass away within a year span of each other. Um, and I was all of like 10 years old. And so that was like kind of you know, at that age, you're just kind of realizing what death is and to have that many deaths happen in a row. Um, at such a young age, it was, and I felt like every family reunion was we we're going to a funeral. Um, so that's really, I think, kind of shaped a lot on how I view death and spirituality. And um, it's been a long journey with all of that. I've gone through waves of feeling comfortable with those feelings and feeling, you know, the existential dread and um, those feelings come and go. Um, but another huge thing that happened most recently that's definitely changed me as a person um, coming into young adulthood was when I moved to Austin um, all by myself. I just graduated college and um, just needed to get out. I just wanted to go be on my own, explore the world by myself. Um, so I chose Austin. It was my first opportunity and I took it and I knew not a single person here. Um, and that excited me, honestly, I wanted to be by myself. Um, and I'm really glad I did it. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. That first year was probably the worst year of my life. That was when I was diagnosed with PCOS and hypothyroidism and was dealing a lot of dealing a lot with anxiety and existential dread. And um, because of those experiences that I had to go through by myself, I think now I've grown into this really confident and comfortable woman 
in my own body and in spirituality. And I've found a community of people that um, I'm on the same page with, with all of those things. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, so tell us a little bit um, about your healing journey with your cycle. Maybe just like how it started or, oh my gosh, your cat. I'm obsessed. Um, I know he'll peek up every so uh, often to say I'm hi. so honored. Um, <laughs> what's his it's name? So, his name is Goose. Cute. Yeah, it's funny because he hates like people in real life. He literally only hangs out with me. If anyone else comes around, he hides. But whenever I'm on a Zoom call, like with work or with friends or now with y'all, he has no problem coming up and saying hi. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, how it started, uh, maybe you mentioned there was like a definite like start to the symptoms, just like, yeah. Tell us anything. Yeah. Um, I have had irregular periods my whole life. Um, I started my first period when I was 10 years old, which is super young from, uh, I guess, what I hear others haven't started that young. Um, and so ever since then, I've never, I've always had a period, but never at the same time every month. And the lengths that lasted would be different. And um, the PMS symptoms would be different, just never really knew what to expect. Um, and then if I think about the months leading up to when I was officially diagnosed with PCOS, there was a lot going on in my life then. I um, had, I was in my senior year of college. Uh, so, you know, feeling the pressure and anxiety of having to graduate college and step into the real world. I had gone through a really traumatic breakup um, with someone that I was with for almost four years um, and didn't really expect that to end. And then decided to move to Austin all by myself. Um, so a lot of like really stressful events uh, led up to the diagnosis. And when I was formally diagnosed, I had been missing my period for six full months. Mm. Um, so I went to the doctor. Uh, I never had heard of PCOS before. I've heard of hypothyroidism before, um, but didn't really know what it was. So I went to um, a gynecologist and she did some blood tests on me, um, indicated that I had hypothyroidism, which sent me to an endocrinologist. When I saw the endocrinologist, she had told me that she doesn't think the hypothyroidism is related to the missing period. So she ran some more tests on me, tested my, I know you make that face and I made the same face. Um, <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And so she ran more tests on me, tested my uh, androgen levels and those indicated that I had PCOS. And then they also did an ultrasound of my ovaries to further confirm um, so like in the same day, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and PCOS and told they weren't connected, which is oh absurd. Gosh. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, you, they, before you go on, can you, um, define PCOS and maybe hyper or hypo? Hypo. Okay. Can, um, can you just kind of give an overview of what those two things are? For sure. PCOS, uh, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that is when you have um, higher male hormones, um, otherwise known as androgens, 
um, that make it so your ovaries don't ovulate. And instead of ovulating, all of those little follicles just collect in little cystic looking, they're not real cysts, they're just follicles, but they collect and look like cysts that just hang out in your ovaries. So you never release that egg and ovulate, um, which we know it's really important to ovulate for health reasons, mm-hmm. not just because you want to get pregnant. Um, and then hypothyroidism is when you have an underactive thyroid. So um, symptoms of that are, you know, extreme fatigue, being cold all the time, weight gain, uh, brain fog, um, things like that. Just think of your whole body slowing down. Um, mm. Yeah. So when I was diagnosed with those two things on the same day, they prescribed me birth control pills um, and Synthroid. Um, and Synthroid is to help the thyroid. I had never taken birth control before. didn't really know anything about it. Didn't know that birth control actually stops your period. It doesn't regulate your period. Okay, hold on. So it's just so funny, like because of the very simple definition that you gave, which is so concise and summarizes what it is, right? So like the problem is you're not ovulating. And so they're giving the solution that they're handing you is to shut off your whole hormonal system. I mean, I am like, having a full body response to this. Obviously this is the case with like every woman that goes in to her doctor with a hormonal problem, but just hearing you define it so clearly like that. Mm-hmm. And then hearing that is the solution. Oh my God. I know. Like looking back on it, I, I feel kind of dumb that I didn't know that, but how would I know that I should, you think you should trust your doctor. Of course. And, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, um, yeah, so I was prescribed those two things, took them. I was a little resistant to taking them at first. I waited a few months. I was like, I wanted to fix myself, but I didn't know how to fix myself. So I did the best I could, but I wasn't doing the right things. Like I went vegan. I started working out even harder, um, which you know, working out, doing high intensity workouts is actually not good for women with PCOS. It actually worsens the issue. Uh, so I was trying what I thought was right to help my body. Um, but ultimately throughout this whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, PCOS isn't, uh, physically painful, but I guess if you mean pain in a metaphorical sense, like, yes, I was tired all the time. I was gaining weight, I would sleep like 10 hours a night and still need to leave my job during lunch to go take a nap in my car. You know, I was just Mm. exhausted all the time and filled with so much anxiety. And I think the anxiety came from because it was my body's way of telling me like something's wrong, you need to fix it. Um, Because anxiety is not a classic symptom of either of these two conditions. But I think that was just my body's way of saying like, you need help, (laughs) go get help. Um, So yeah, I was, yeah, it was very tough. Um, So I took the birth control um, eventually and the Synthroid because I just kept getting worse and worse. Um, And I was on birth control for about two and a half years. And then it kind of clicked with me that I was just feeling really disconnected from my body and it didn't feel like it was serving me well. 
So I kind of just stopped on a whim without doing any further research um, and just thought it would come back, um, my period that is. And I went three months and my period did not come back and I got really scared. So I went directly back on birth control. Um, mm. Yeah, and then fast forward two more years later. So now four years total of being on birth control was when I had my birth chart reading with you, Emily. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you have no idea how impactful that was for me. Um, but something you had said to me during our uh, session was, you asked me if I had any hormonal um, issues. And I'm like, well, yes, I have two. And you're like, well, you have um, a six house stellium and, and Scorpio. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Like, so I did so much research on that. And like, now I'm just like, I'm like, I think I'm an astrology and birth chart expert now because yeah. you just really empowered me to like learn everything about it. Um, and it just furthered me along on my journey of like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like, this is a thing and I can fix it. So um, I immediately bought a book called Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton. And I think Emily, you recommended her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, so I did a lot of reading um, and looked up all of her blog articles online. She has so many great resources, but um, I bought her book and I read it and I decided okay, I'm going to quit birth control again and I'm going to do it right this time. So she um, recommends some um, like 12 day or 14 day liver detox before you quit or as you quit birth control because hormones secrete through your liver. So you don't want to add any extra stress to your liver while you're trying to detox from birth control. So um, I did the 12 day or 14 day detox and started seed cycling and um, changed my diet only slightly. I used to eat oatmeal every morning for breakfast, but I've since switched to just fresh fruit and um, coconut yogurt with my seeds um, and then switched up my workout routine. So I used to go to like Orange Theory and do really high intensity HIIT workouts and would feel so exhausted and drained and just my body ached all the time after doing those, but I just thought that's what I had to do. And since switched to focusing more on Pilates and yoga classes, and I've had a period every month ever since then. So oh I'm on four, I just started my period today actually, which is hilarious. Oh! That we're <laughs> Wait, and I the moon is in that. Scorpio. The moon is in Scorpio. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wait, before we move on, can you talk about seed cycling a little bit? Yes. Um, so what you want to do with seed cycling is you're supposed to eat certain seeds at certain times of the month that help regulate your hormone levels so that you, um, it doesn't even just help women have periods. It actually helps women to lessen their PMS symptoms, which I've actually really noticed for me, especially the past two months. Um, so what you want to do is from day one of your cycle to ovulation, you want to eat pumpkin seeds and flax seeds. So, so one tablespoon of each, so two tablespoons total, and you wanna make sure you grind up your flax seeds. Um, so I like to just add them to my yogurt and uh, fruit in the morning. You can blend them up with smoothies. You can put them in salads, like so many things you can do with them. And then from ovulation day back into the end of your cycle, back to day one, 
you want to eat a tablespoon of sunflower seeds and a tablespoon of sesame seeds. You want to make sure the sesame seeds are ground um, as well. And that just, you know, that's been literally the, that's been the biggest change I've made in my life. And I have a period now, like wow. it's a miracle to me that I'm getting my period when I didn't have one for so long. And I think just a disclaimer for anyone listening to like when you're on birth control, you do not have a period. So I think a lot of women also think that. Um, and you mentioned something that you said earlier stuck out to me when you were like, I got really scared. And so I went right back on birth control. And I think that that, that really like stuck with me because it's this feeling of like this internalized shame of like, okay, I've done something wrong. I've gone against like doctor's orders, or I've, you know, I've strayed from my prescribed remedy, whatever it is. And I think that there's this, like, there's so much internalized shame around cycles, our, our cycles and our cycle health, and even shame about, um, you know, looking up and reading about your cycle and like diving into that world, because there's a part of you that thinks like, like, even you said earlier, like, I feel dumb. I should know this. And I just want to say before we continue, like we have so much um, like amnesia around this topic in society. It's so taboo. It's not, um, it's not general knowledge. It's not normalized like it um, maybe was in the past. And so I think to, to add with the amount of like endocrine disruptors and the lifestyle that women now lead, um, it's gonna impact our cycles even more. So it's like shame already there about lack of knowledge about our bodies, which is, um, it was manipulated to be that way. And then on top of that, we're all struck, most of us are struggling with irregular cycles or hormone imbalances because of the world that we live in. So, um, yeah, I think that there are a lot of women listening to this that maybe have tried to have have gone through that that feeling of like, okay, this medication is not working for me. Like, I don't feel connected to my body. I don't have a sex drive. I don't feel anything like, or you feel really depressed or really anxious, but then because there's not that other option to go towards, you just go back to what was told to you. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, wow, to have the other option be to just add in some seats. I mean, obviously right? you've done so much more than that, but like there's so many simple places to start. It's so true. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, well, okay, so you mentioned also that you are an aspiring dancer. So yeah. what did it feel like because I, I hear this a lot from um, women that are on birth control and it's, it's kind of like, you described it too, like just this moment after maybe years and years of being like, oh wait, I am like not connected to my body or I feel, I, I, and I think the, the, the thing is that you're not feeling, right? So it takes longer to realize that you're not feeling something than when you are feeling something. But mm -hmm. um, so what was your relationship like with your body especially being a dancer and when did you kind of notice that like that shifted yeah uh my journey as a dancer um also has been a bit tumultuous um I was 
trained very heavily in ballet um, as a young kid. So from ages three to mm, like 15, maybe a little younger, three to 14 or 13 or 15, something like that, teeny bopper age. Um, I was trained really heavily in ballet, would spend 12 hours a day on the weekends at the studio um, rehearsing for the Nutcracker and other performances. Um, and I was the youngest girl in my like level. Um, so I always felt a bit out of place there. I loved dance so much, but you know, when you're 10 years old trying to make friends with a 17 year old, you know, it's just, you feel a bit out of place. Um, and so uh, when I was in early uh, high school or late junior high, I can't remember the exact year, um, all my friends were going out for cheerleading and I was stuck at dance at the studio for 12 hours a day and um, just really started to resent it because it like took the fun out of it. Um, it started to become really serious and I was too young for it to be that serious. And all I wanted to do was like, hang out with my friends and go do things with my friends. Um, so I ended up quitting dance. Uh, ends up, that was the biggest regret I've ever had in my life. Um, I think comes a beautiful story after that, but for many, many years, I just really, really regretted quitting because it was the only thing I was ever felt like I was actually really good at and like actually really loved doing. Um, and it took me so many years to, kind of get over that. I was always afraid to go back to it because I was like, oh, I'll never be as good as I once was. And so what's the point? And I think adults make that mistake all the time that we don't like take, we don't like play anymore. You know what I mean? We think we just have to like be good at everything that we do. And that's so false. Like we don't have to be good at something to enjoy it. We can just enjoy it and not be good at it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, you know, went a whole decade without dancing at all. And when I moved to Austin and was feeling really, really lost and scared and anxious all the time um, was when I decided, you know what, maybe I'll take a dance class, like see how that feels. And I've been going weekly ever since. It's been the best decision I ever made. And it's truly like therapy for me because mm -hmm. um, I'm not... I don't want to say I'm bad at words or expressing my emotions. It, that's not necessarily true, but I'm the most comfortable expressing my emotions through dance. Um, so it's just been huge for me doing that now as an adult, because I think as a kid, you know, you have so much emotions that you don't really know how to like work through. So like dance, as much as I probably wanted it to be an outlet for that as a kid, it was, it wasn't. And now as an adult, like, I have a more tangible like approach on how I use my emotions and how I, you know, use dance as an outlet for them that now I can just like really enjoy it as an adult and it not feel like work. And I don't feel like I have to be good at it. I'm just like literally using it to make me feel good in my body and in my soul. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just think it's so cool. And I've noticed this in my own life too, when I am in these like really intense, um, like mindsets of like healing certain things, when I don't have a creative outlet, 
or just any outlet at all that's not associated with like healing mm-hmm. or food or you know mm-hmm. mental health or whatever it doesn't go as well like you like need something also in your life that's just like an opportunity to just like be a human who's just like living yeah. for the sake of living or having fun and yeah. bringing that joy back into your life because you can get so wrapped up in the like the healing journey and the doing mm-hmm. the work and stuff like that but when you have something to just like be yourself in and like show up in however you want yeah it's so much better and I tell people that all the time too because I think people just view me as a creative person because of the nature that I'm a graphic designer as a job and I dance as a hobby so like I'm just you know, everyone just sees me as a creative person, which is so funny because I don't think of myself as creative, but I know from the outside with like those two labels, like, yes, I get why people would view me as a creative person, but people are always like, you're so creative. You're so creative, like this, this, and that. And I'm like, well, you know, you can be creative too. Like I always stress the importance to other people. Like you need a creative outlet. Like you can't just work your job, cook dinner, hang out with your friends and like go to bed. Everyone needs something that's works that creative side of your brain like just for yourself even and you don't even have to do it daily or make anything of it but just like to have something that's there for you when you need it is so important and creativity is associated with the reproductive cycle of a woman and so of course like it makes sense to me as you're kind of like intentionally healing your cycle or just at least focusing more energy on that part of your body and your life. Like that's when um, your creative energy in other areas is awakened as well. And so you said earlier that like ovulation is not just for having babies. Yes, because your body, if you're a woman, yes, your body is designed to be able to procreate, but because it is designed that way, it is such that if there is like one thing off in that cycle, even if you're never wanting to have kids, then that is very vital for your, your life. And I think about how when women are on birth control and like feeling disconnected and then come off and they all of a sudden are like experiencing like true ovulation for the first time. And they're like very creative or maybe they're trying to have kids or they're just like more alive. And I'm like, how many teenagers from, you know, like age 10, 11 to 25, 26, are we missing on like this peak creativity and energy and life in the world? We're just like shutting that off. And it is so sad. And obviously it's so redemptive when you can now like come alive and be connected in that way again. But I just think of so many women that are put on birth control at so young and maybe are going through their life thinking, I'm not a creative person. I don't have any outlets. I'm not passionate about anything. And it's like, is that you or is that just what's been done to your hormones? Right. And I feel like fortunate enough, and it probably is because I'm a dancer, I've always just had to pay like very close attention to my body. Uh, You know, like, I remember like just being in class and constantly being able to point my toes and like tuck my butt in and like, you know, straighten your arms more. So I've just always had to be very in tune with my body from a young age that 
you know, in my adult life now, when I was prescribed birth control, that I was able to pick up on signs that I was feeling detached from my body versus like young kids that don't really have that ability to interpret those things yet. you know, there's so much going on when you go through puberty and all these things, it's like hard to, hard to realize that you feel disconnected and you're absolutely right. Like so many teenagers can be missing out on like their most creative, like best years of their creative and playful fun life because they're being prescribed a medication that blocks all of those sensors for them. And they would have no idea because they don't have the connection to their body yet to realize that they're feeling disconnected from it. Right. Mm. And are you a Gemini rising? Yes. Rising sign, which I mean, not only have you been, you know, aligning the body in all the ways, but then with the dance and the you know, hobbies and traveling and stuff like that. Like you have been stepping into that rising energy too, that like fun, free, like excitable, <laughs> like Gemini energy. It's so funny you say that because, um, so like at work a lot, we talk about Myers-Briggs and learn like all my coworkers' personality types. And I am an I through and through. I'm an I, well, I was an INFJ, but I've recently turned into an INFP. Um, which is probably a bit of the Gemini energy as well. Uh, but um, all my coworkers are like, oh, wow, I could have sworn you're an extrovert. And I'm like, literally everyone thinks I'm an extrovert and it's because of my Gemini rising. And specifically more so I'd say in the past year or two, I've been stepping more into that energy. Um, I'm a Cancer moon. So, and as a Scorpio sun, you know, the water signs, I'm like definitely a homebody, like, like to keep to myself, like have, very like close intimate group of friends like not a lot of like acquaintances um that's just my comfort zone but yeah the extroverted chatty Kathy Gemini has been coming out the past few years <laughs> of that yeah <laughs> and that was like cancer moon too like yeah the moon being like how you take care of yourself and nurture yourself and cancer being the sign of like maternal energy and like the womb and all of this all these things like yeah it makes total sense that now you're popping off because you were connecting to like your womb space and like your divine feminine energy in this way like that is your ultimate source of nourishment as well it's true and I feel it so much like I literally like say hi to the moon now when I walk outside and I see her out I'm like hi moon like she's a pet or something but it's because I feel such a strong connection now and like syncing up my period with the moon, like it's just, it, it definitely is like a source of nourishment for me. And it's made me realize how connected we are to this universe. And um, yeah, it's truly amazing. It blows my mind. Mm. So what you've shared so much and thank you. Um, <laughs> what else, if there's anything you want to add, have you learned about yourself throughout this journey of like, taking this into your own hands and starting to be like, okay, I need to heal this myself. Yeah. Um, I think I've learned the most to trust myself more than anyone else, including doctors. Unfortunately, um, you know, typical Western doctors fail their patients a lot of times. And I don't want to go as far to say that doctors are bad. No one listen to doctors because I know there's a time and place for them, but, um, you know, trust yourself more than you trust anyone else. 
I think is the biggest takeaway because I knew something was wrong. I knew there was a way to fix it. Um, and I knew there was a connection, but you know, I was just being told either A, it didn't matter because the treatment plan wasn't going to change anyway, or B, I was wrong. And neither of those things ended up being true. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I knew that deep down and all it had to take was just me feeling confident in myself and trusting my instincts. I always tell people to like, trust your gut instincts. Like it's there for a reason. Um, so if you have a gut feeling about literally anything, it's, that's probably right. You know? Um, so all it had to take was just me to really trust myself and feel confident in that. And um, I just feel so thankful to have such a great support system around me. Like all of my friends are my biggest cheerleaders. Like every time I start my period, they're like, yay, she got period. Like they're <laughs> always just so happy for me and, you know, really encourage me to um, just, you know, take this journey and they're always there to support me. And I think a lot of people maybe also struggle with wanting to care for themselves in that way because they don't have a great support system either believing in them and trusting them and rooting them on and so I just feel really grateful that I have that that's awesome incredible so uh trusting yourself and um you know following like your gut and all these things um but if someone is you know, struggling with irregular periods or um, they just got a PCOS diagnosis or Mm -hmm. a diagnosis of that and something else in the same day. um, Do you have particular advice um, for people? Yeah. um, Read the book Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jillian Brighton. Um, It was really insightful just to kind of actually learn how your body works. I think a lot of women too, like we must've missed this in sex ed or they didn't teach it at all, but just like literally how the cycle works. They didn't teach it. They didn't didn't teach it. Exactly. I think I only learned about STDs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, yeah, I remember learning about STDs and about, honestly, I learned about, uh, like male reproduction and stuff more than I remember learning about female reproduction. We learn it in the context of males. So we learn anything that's relevant to having sex with men. So we learn about STDs and abstinence and condoms, but we don't learn about our cycles because God forbid we make the boys uncomfortable. And God forbid we're like in tune with our bodies and choose not to have sex at certain times of the month if we want to not have a baby. Yeah, yeah. What would happen then? We would be powerful <laughs> women ruling the world. We would be way too powerful. That's the <laughs> issue. And that book, yeah. I'm happy you mentioned that because beyond the pill, even if you have never taken birth control, even if you're not planning on taking birth control, like this is still such a valuable resource, this book, because it does have all of that kind of missing contextual information. It's not even context, it's literally just our bodies, but like all that, (laughs) all that knowledge that we don't know about ourselves, she goes into and talks about. um, And yeah. Yeah. Did you read the book too then? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I learned so much about my body and like different things I can feed my body for it to do different things. And so if women are struggling with PCOS, definitely recommend reading that book. Also, I recommend finding a good support system and group of people around you that you can feel comfortable talking about these topics with, because I think that's been huge for me. The more I've been able to like vocalize what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing, one, it it 
makes me feel more confident and holds myself accountable to like keep doing the right things. And two, I think, you know, whatever good external energy you're getting also feeds into like your internal energy. So you just want good external energy around you for you to, you know, heal and feel good inside. Um, and honestly, too, I think people make the biggest mistake I made. And I think probably a lot of women make is one of the symptoms of PCOS is uh, weight gain. Um, and that can be very frustrating for a lot of women. And honestly, for me, when I was fixing my PCOS, losing weight was not a goal, but it just so happened that I suddenly am starting to lose a little bit of weight. Um, and I think what a lot of people will do is just like work themselves to the bone, extra, extra hard, push themselves in these workouts. And really that's just creating a fight or fight response in your body, which just only worsens these conditions. So don't push yourself so hard take a day off. Don't feel like you need to um, work out for an hour every single day, doing cardio every day. Just relax. Your body just wants to relax. It's already working so hard keeping you alive. Just take it easy. <laughs> oh, that's so good too, because the way that you described it too, if there's this um, surplus of androgens, of male hormones, like, and we think of the workout culture that is largely exclusive of female hormonal cycles. It's, it's that mm -hmm. men can really, they can get a hard workout in every day and they can see results and it can be linear and that's the process. But with women, there are certain times of the month that you'll want to do a high impact. And there's certain times of the month where it's actually harmful. And so if your period's off and your cycle's off, and you have those hormonal hormonal imbalances, you have to be even more like gentle with yourself, like you said. Um, yeah. And leaning into more of that like yin, like the Pilates or the yoga, or just like walking or just resting and not mm -hmm. being in the mentality of like punishing yourself and keeping yourself mm -hmm. like go fast, go hard. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I feel like I um, see so many times people writing like you can't heal a body that you hate. And so, um, and on the note of like the weight gain stuff and, you know, that's a product of our culture and um, how we're told to look at our bodies and things like that. But, you know, if you wake up every day and as you're brushing your teeth, you are like looking in the mirror and like resenting what you look like or what your body's doing and losing complete sight of how you beautifully put like just how much your body is like trying to stay afloat and trying to just keep you moving every day, like, I don't know. We need to thank our bodies. Just like you say hi to the moon. We need to like say hi to our bodies and like get back and get connected. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I know you do that through dance. If you do that through working out or, uh, I don't know, massage or like all sorts of stuff, just, we need to like get back in touch with our bodies and thank them for all that they do. Agreed. Yeah. I always, uh, I, I go to yoga pretty regularly and like at the end, whenever we say namaste to um, the instructor, I always like stay, stay, stay there for like another second and like say a little like prayer, if you will, to myself. And I always say like, thank you body, thank you moon. And I think that that's just also been like a really good practice of mine. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> start crying. <laughs> But it's been like really good and like helping me through my healing journey to just like take that minute of 30 seconds after a yoga class and just thank myself for being there and thanking the universe for 
working with my body and letting letting my body do its thing in conjunct with the universe. Like it's so <laughs> I'm obviously crying because like that's beautiful and the cutest thing and like when I have a daughter I'm going to be like every morning you have to say thank you body thank you moon but also the fact that it is so simple like these conditions these diagnoses that are like quote unquote irreversible and you're doomed and you'll have to be on these medications for the rest of your life like at the root of it it's all rooted in disconnection and dysfunction and imbalance so if we look at it like that instead of just like oh you're broken something's wrong with you like if we look at it as a an imbalance that can be brought into balance then the remedy is just like taking a breath and reconnecting and being in your body and, and feeling what it feels like to live in it. Like it is so simple. And yet, you know, that's very hard and countercultural. But just to know that like the answer doesn't necessarily lie in some like undiscovered research or, or some like medication that hasn't been found yet. It, it's really like just bringing it back to, ourselves yeah and I want to make it clear though that you made a good point um like they are simple things it's not necessarily easy and just because um I have healed myself now and I get a period now it is still a little irregular I think it'll take time for it to find its cadence again because you know I was on birth control for four years and I've only been off of it for four months so I need to give myself some grace and know that like, okay, I don't need to get so hard on myself. Like it's my body's just trying to figure it out. And I want to make that clear to everyone listening too, because I think it's really easy for people to give up and when they're not seeing immediate results and you just need to learn to be patient with yourself and give your body some grace. It will catch up. It will do its thing eventually. But um, if it's not, don't beat yourself up over it. Don't feel frustrated. Don't give up. Like it's, it's all a process. It's you're not just fixed in a day. It's, it's a journey for sure. Thank you. Mm. Um, so our last question for you, um, and you've touched on this so many times, so maybe there's something new to share, or maybe it's just a reiteration. Um, but how do you connect to your intuition? Um, I do a few things. Um, one, my favorite routine that I've incorporated into my life is pulling tarot cards on the new moon. Um, and I write in my journal, whatever cards I pull, and I will check on it uh, monthly throughout the until the next uh, moon cycle. Um, and that's a good way for me to check in and kind of just take whatever that is and apply it to whatever I need it to apply to at that time. Um, I also do self-care Sundays. I, every Sunday, like just take the day to myself. I'll do face masks. I'll read a book. I'll watch Netflix. I'll, you know, whatever I need on that day. But I always make sure like Sunday is my day for myself, um, which I think is important that people need to do that too. Cause it's so easy to just be go, go, go all the time. It's like, take one day out of the week, just for yourself, have a date with yourself. Um, yeah. And then dancing, of course, connects me to my body. Yoga, of course, connects me to my body. Um, yeah. 
Oh, and I love uh, lighting incense in my room and candles and creating like a nice cozy space that always makes me feel really in touch with myself. Mm. Mm. Love self care. Wow. I like want to go like take a Epsom salt bath or like <laughs> yes, I don't know, do something. <laughs> amazing um I have one bonus question and that is do you have a favorite of at classic Heidi's TikToks oh my god (laughs) um literally all of them are my favorite the craziest person I have ever seen on the internet and I am here for it you know what's so weird is that she is not acting or exaggerating or creating any sort of persona this is truly how she is which is actually why I had to like I no longer have the TikTok TikTok app because I was like this just like is Heidi like this just is I would be her best friend if she would let me like honestly I am here for all of her energy she my favorite thing to do this is like a criteria for like people that I'm friends with you have to make me laugh like oh my gosh did you hear that no sorry there was just some really loud bass outside um (laughs) but a big criteria for me to be my friend is you need to make me laugh like I just want to laugh constantly so I know that Heidi would just provide that for me in my life so (laughs) that is well and another Gemini rising too you guys of course would get along is she a gem rising Mm mm-hmm Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, if she'd let me, I'd be her best friend. <laughs> She's going to freak out listening to this. Um, well, great question. Keely, we should start asking that for all our guests. <laughs> Give her some promo. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carly, how can people find you? Do you have a TikTok, a, a hidden famous TikTok I have TikTok a TikTok, yourself? but I'm not, okay. not going to um, okay. promote that. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> I'll promote my Instagram instead. Um, it's at Carlyfornia with one. Well, let me just spell it because uh, I have a weird spelling to my name. K-A-R-L-E-F-O-R-I-N-A. Um, and I just post a lot of stuff with me and my friends, me and my cat, some plants, just everyday We love things. an Instagram handle that matches up a name and a state here. <laughs> well did you ever watch the movie fired up uh-uh. yeah isn't that the one that's like f you with the chant or something yes yes okay yes. so the main character's name in that is carly and her like stupid little boyfriend in that movie always called her these nicknames like carly horse carlyfornia Carly in the Chocolate Factory. So <laughs> in high school, when I made that Instagram handle, everyone always called me all those nicknames because everyone just loved that movie at that time. And so that was where that Instagram handle came from. <laughs> nice. And what is your graphic design? Do you do like freelancing or anything like that? No, I work for um, um, a digital marketing agency called Blackhawk Digital Marketing. Okay. So if anyone needs digital marketing help, uh, hit us up. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carly. This has been so helpful. Well, thank you for having me. This was honestly a dream come true for me. So thank you. 